0: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land. Here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, with your host Brian McWilliams. I think it, what I meant is like the the settlements that are increasing in, in some of these areas and and places where um, where Palestinians are experiencing. Uh, difficulty in access to uh, their housing and homes. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just I I am not the expert at geopolitics on geopolitics. She can see the future but she's really dumb. A city millennial medium finally guys that's the true opening theme song of millennial medium put together by the great dan smots over at the system is down podcast guys god bless you dan i want to remind everybody that you can also hire dan who did that uh, that excellent background music and mashup for me from my millennial medium song last week that i sang added the music and also you gotta join the lions of liberty forum so you can see the video that Dan put together because it is genius mashing up uh, AOC's dance moves. And that, of course, was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the beginning of that, that lovely song. Uh, but he's got these awesome mashup of uh, videos of her dancing combined with her on screen, combined with her interviews. And he times it so perfectly with the beats. <laughs> it's, it's must-see TV. So, yeah, big thanks to Dan Smots. Uh, Dan is at Goulash Media, by the way, and that is his company, which does audio, video production, also events, etc. So hit him up if you need anything along those lines. He'll be able to help you out. Graphic design, you name it. Does all of our logos and, uh, and all the stuff for our merch as well. So, again, that's goulashmedia.net, guys. Want to give him a shout-out for that excellent, excellent work that he does on top of his podcast. Again, the system is down. Oh, Yeah. What a way to start Electric Liberty Land, episode number 109, baby! Oh! Feeling good, feeling fine today. I think I'm finally past all the doldrums that I was mired in. And now, I'm here with you, my my friends in Liberty, my friends in Wibberty, you and me forever. Uh, yeah, this is Electric Liberty Land number 109, everybody. That means you can find the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL109-er. And uh, by the way, before I get into the show too deeply... We are doing one of our favorite shows that everybody loves, the uh, LILDL, the Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor Show. However, we are doing a Pride only. We're recording it this Thursday, and that is for our Patreons only. We're going to be releasing it through that. So no time like the present. You can just sign up, join our Pride for as little as five bucks a month. Just go to patreon.com forward slash lionsofliberty. We also are going to attempt a uh, a live stream of this event and allow our Pride members to watch it online in our special secret forum for them on- and them only, Pan members only, where they can do a, an Ask Me Anything version. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you guys sign up today, and uh, you also get some, some free perks with that. Anyway, let's hop into it, shall we? So first things first... Two episodes ago on ELL one o seven, you'll recall that I talked about a bill that was introduced, which to me clearly signified the grand divide between how the government views its own people versus how the government views us regular private sector peons, just ants in the uh, ants in the hill to the government. And this bill that I had previously talked about essentially made it illegal for landlords to try to collect rent, to try to collect uh, loans that were due from any worker that was a former or current government. Well, not say former a current government employee that had been furloughed uh, or put on a hiatus from getting paid while the government was shut down. Clearly absurd, clearly ridiculous with many, many ripples that could occur based upon landlords not being able to collect their, their payments from their renters or from people that were owed money from tending out loans, et cetera. But guess what? There's more. And that just resulted in a story I saw on NBC News, which reported that, don't worry people, this was as of last uh, Friday, don't worry people, federal workers who had not received a paycheck in weeks would be issued back pay in the coming days. Which means that I'm sure by now they've already received a paycheck, and I'm not just talking about people who were working when they didn't, you know, working without pay, like the valiant people at the TSA who, you know, when you have a passion for fingering people's assholes and you know, taking paraplegic children out of their wheelchairs and fondling them, no paycheck stoppage is going to halt you from doing your duty. So the proud people of the TSA that are working in there, I'm not just talking about those people that, work, that continue to work or the IRS agents that continue to work. Because again, when you like to fuck people, it doesn't matter which way you like to fuck people, whether it be at the IRS or at the airport. Hey, man, you just like to fuck. So anyway. Not just the people that actually continued to work, but no, no. All 800,000 government workers will get their back pay. Checks will go out to pay these people despite the fact that they haven't done shit. Most of them have just been sitting around getting zero interest loans from banks that wanted to bend over backwards, getting uh, their bills expensed and paid for by Kickstarter campaigns from progressive government-loving assholes, or were given free meals by folks like Gene Simmons and I can't remember, somebody else, some other jagaloon, also gave free meals at the restaurant to any government worker that wanted to come in because, you know, these poor government workers, they can't make it a full month. I mean, are you kidding me? Number one, government workers get paid probably more than people in the private sector do for doing work of equal value. Uh, I would say they get massively overpaid for doing work of considerably less value, but eh, semantics. Not all these people, you're telling me these people are getting paid more. They're working less. They get to retire earlier. They have matching pensions, matching all these other things. They probably get government programs where their lunches are included, all these other bullshit perks and benefits. You know that they got candy and donuts sitting around these offices because If you've seen government workers, they ain't too slim. And now you got these people that are donating food (laughs) that consider they can't, they can't make it a month and a half on a paycheck. Like they have zero savings to rely on, despite the fact that, you know, they took this government job, you know, I mean, hey, you take a government job, you know what you're getting into. You know that there could be a shutdown and you could lose that job or you could be furloughed and not have payment for a month. So, you know, maybe put a little aside. How about that idea? But no, we had to feel so bad for these people that we had to go out of our way. We had to give them all of these perks, which people in the private sector would not get the benefit of. Maybe somebody out of the kindness of their heart, if they personally knew somebody, was laid off. Maybe they'd say, okay, you know what, I'll extend you some credit. Or maybe, okay, you know what, this sandwich is on me. Maybe you're starting a Kickstarter for, uh, you know, your sister that got laid off of work that's in the private sector, and God knows when she's going to get her job back. Not like the government where you know you're going back to work. Like, this is the longest government shutdown I can recall in a very long time. Usually these things last about two whole weeks. But you tell me, like, I mean, give me a fucking break. If you're in the private sector, you're out of work for two months, you may be lucky to get your unemployment check in the mail after a couple weeks but you don't get two months of back pay for sitting on your ass and doing nothing. I mean, goddamn, a company goes out of business in the private sector, you're lucky if you get severance pay that'll cover you for the next two weeks. I mean, some people, I know they get laid off and I know people that got a full year of severance pay. That's amazing. But they were also laid off from bigger companies with bigger budgets, et cetera. Now, everybody else, You lose your job if your company goes under. You know, I work for a smaller company. My PR firm's not massive. So if my company goes over, hopefully my boss can give me a little something to tide me over. But otherwise, I'm up shit Greek. When I get hired at a new job, my new job doesn't give me two months pay when I was out of work slumming around watching Judge Judy on the couch. I mean, you didn't work. Why in the government do you have an automatic right to be paid for doing nothing? And yes, we all know that the government routinely pays people for doing nothing and routinely steals our taxes to do nothing except warmonger and uh, continue to oppress the populace through regulations and oppressive police tactics, etc. But it's like, is this in a contract that these people sign? Is it in the union contracts that they signed? Does every individual union have it in there stipulated that should a government shutdown occur, we must be paid back pay even if we don't work at all or even lift a finger off the couch? I mean, for most of these people, this is just an extended vacation. I mean, God, if I was one of these people, I've got a little bit of money in the bank. If I know that I'm going to be getting paid for doing nothing, I'm going on vacation. I mean, this is an extended paid vacation. This is exactly the dream. I mean, if I was a good worker, I would be stumping for shutdowns. I'd be tweeting to Trump. I'd be outside yelling insults at him. Come on, you goofy-haired baboon. Shut the government down. Teach me a lesson. I'd be mooning him like in brave heart. I mean, God, talk about just fucking retarded policy. Ah, makes me so, so mad. And so for all that, you know, people are whining about, all the government shutdowns cost us this much money. It's costing the economy this much. Well, maybe. Maybe if you're waiting on permits, I could see that. Again, makes the point that we shouldn't have to deal with the government to get these permits to fulfill our business obligations. should be able to do that through a free association with other people. Moving ahead. Ain't hurting nobody? Okay. What the fuck do I need a permit for? But regardless, so we have this shutdown, which supposedly cost the economy X amount of dollars. And now on top of that, the money that we would have theoretically saved, maybe we could have helped even that out. Maybe you know, lighten the tax burden a little bit on everybody. No, no, no. We're going to go ahead and pay out these 800,000 government workers. God knows how many millions of dollars. The story I'm reading on NBC News doesn't have an assessment of exactly how much money is going to be paid out. But, you know, as long as the people that the hardworking folks at the National Zoo get their back payment, I'm happy. And unlike most people, unlike these these TSA people didn't show up. Unlike uh, you know whatever whatever else at the uh, at the toll booth that didn't show up, whatever other services they ended up shutting down for the government. Uh, at least the people at the zoo, they probably did actually do it out of passion. So you know what? God bless you, national zoo workers, for keeping those animals alive and not just deciding to uh, to eat them and sell them on the black market. Kind of like that wonderful movie, The Freshman. <laughs> If you've ever seen it, it's a Matthew Broderick film. It's got, uh, some classic, classic acting performances in it. So, uh, check that out when you're bored and high sometime. All right, let's get into the, uh, the main topic of the show, which of course is learn to code Maduro. <laughs> I thought tied a nice bow around the things that are going through the news cycle at the moment. So let's start, uh, let's start at the beginning with this whole learn to code saga and this has become a big fire point with the media and uh, and with Twitter specifically, because if you didn't read the news lately, maybe you get all your news from me. If so, you're very intelligent, probably attractive. But Huffington Post, in the wake of the most ridiculous media coverage ever stemming from a group of white kids with some black kids mixed in, standing around doing absolutely nothing wrong and being screamed at by black Israelite racist uh, complete nutbags and a lying old Native American man who pretended to be in Vietnam and decided to make a social media spectacle of himself by smashing a drum in one poor kid's face at the Lincoln Memorial weeks ago, we saw Huffington Post journalist... And BuzzFeed journalists, some thousand of them, I believe, get laid off of their jobs this week. And I can't say that this is directly as a result of their coverage of these MAGA kids and this whole incident, wherein Huffington Post journalists still said the lead opinion writer for the Huffington Post of the opinion section, which, by the way, has been wiped out in total, the lead writer for the Huffington Post opinion section Regardless of the evidence that came out later, regardless of the videos showing that these kids did nothing wrong except stand there and kind of do what you would hope your kids would do if uh, if they were having horrible racial epithets screamed at them and assaulted, uh, or not assaulted, but I guess, you know, audibly assaulted by a drum in the face. Despite all the evidence that came out, this writer still wrote a piece saying that the MAGA hat kids were wrong and that they were evil and had racist inclinations just because they were wearing the Trump hat. Which, of course, they had like bought that morning (laughs) while walking around. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I took quite a bit of pleasure in seeing that opinion section of the Huffington Post get wiped out. And usually I don't like to laugh at people losing their jobs. But, you know, there does come a point where people are so inept where people are so evil in what they're doing. And I do believe, honestly, in my heart of hearts, that the people who continue to push these narratives out there, that continue to stoke racial hatred with these race-baiting articles, telling people how evil and everybody is, how white men, white straight men are the devil at all times, giving platforms to people that are clear bigots and racists that are minorities so they can spew their own version of hate. These people are, in fact, evil. And so I am beyond happy to see them get kicked on out of the workforce. And on top of that, I love the fact that these people were writing all these articles about the working class, you know, the people in the rust belt, people that were in communities that were built around factories that were built around paper mills and, you know, whatever else, whatever industries that involved working with one's hands that were more labor jobs that have disappeared as the U S has transitioned into more of a service economy because of international conditions. And of course, because of the influence of unions, putting people in ridiculous pension positions, as we see with every government deficit, and also with the LA USD school district, which I discussed a few episodes ago as well, putting them in massive deficits because they keep bartering their way forward, getting massive pensions, getting paid vastly beyond what their skill level is or warrants, and then making it almost impossible to fire them. And if you do, then of course, you're on the hook for even more lawsuits. So they told these poor people that were out of jobs to learn to code. was, <laughs> And there's like seven different articles you could find, actually vastly more than that, but just seven that popped to mind as I was scrolling through the uh, the internets, exploring the webs between uh, downloading porn and, you know, all these things. people in the Rust Belt should learn to code. More people should learn to code if they want to get their jobs in the economy. These people have to be with the Times, all this other shit. In addition to articles saying that women specifically should learn to code. And these were actually articles that were written more positively. You know, they're like BuzzFeed and Huffington Post pieces by the feminist writers in the opinion sections saying that more women did need to learn to code. So there was both, both the condescending articles telling the people that were out in the middle of nowhere that they needed to learn to code, which, you know, to be perfectly honest, isn't bad advice anyway. I mean, shit, I should learn to code just to do it. But you also have the condescending ones there. And then you have the ones touting it as, hey, this is the future. And thus, because we need to mandate more women get into coding and get into STEM programs and get into technology, even though a lot of women have no interest in doing that and to forcibly make it so is a progressive's ridiculous fever dream. But these have these stories about learn to code. So the heroes, and I don't know if it started in 4chan or if 4chan just decided that they wanted to jump on this, uh, this trend that was happening on Twitter, where people had rightly turned this on its head and told these journalists, oh, you out of jobs now, guys? Maybe you should learn to code, which is beyond hilarious. I mean, look, quid pro quo. You know, if these journals, number one, we already know that journalists have zero sense of humor about themselves, about anything their topics have to do with. They don't understand satire. And you know it's funny, too? People at BuzzFeed got laid off in mass. Like, the whole national desk at BuzzFeed was laid off. Again, very funny. Very funny. The funniest. Uh, considering this retarded BuzzFeed piece that came out with zero evidence to back it up. That Mueller could just put down like a dog's face in its own urine. The Mueller investigators put this report down claiming that Donald Trump told Michael Cohen to lie, Uh, again, with zero evidence to back it up. So BuzzFeed, of course, has built its brand upon these kind of goofy, stupid headlines, you know, these half funny, oh, you'll never believe what this is, blah, 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 blah. And of course, zero sense of humor when people come back at them and make lists. And they're all formatted as Bud- BuzzFeed would format the list. So it's like, seven reasons why BuzzFeed just laid off 500 workers. Number three will blow your mind. And then they actually go through and list them. Uh, just, you know, turned about a fair payment. It's really, really funny. And of course, this is also considering the fact that these people routinely would respond like snarky internet troll assholes to anybody who had a conservative opinion. And any opinion that would go against uh, their specific point of view. Anybody trying to point out any rational point of view would always be met with snark and sarcasm. And so this is turned on these people. They have all these different Twitter people telling them to learn to code. They've got some memes that were created saying, learn to code, you know, in these different various backgrounds of people, you know, typing on computers, goofy people, probably bubbles from uh trailer park boys is in a few of them. And what is the journalist response rather than having some moment of reflection, maybe saying, you know, I... I deserve this in an odd way. You know, I did tell these people to do this. I was spouting this nonsense nonstop. I was telling these people that they're evil. Maybe I should self-reflect, be a better person, be a little bit less of a dickhead. Maybe he's chosen my story topics a little bit smarter. Maybe not try to make every single story into a talking point for the progressive left that tried to put people in their place and instead just reported news as it would come to me. No, no, instead of doing any of that, they reported for abuse Any tweet that involved the phrase, quote, learn to code, unquote, to Jack or to Twitter, not even Jack, but to Twitter's abuse and, uh, whatever, bullying prevention department. And Twitter started to ban people and make them delete their tweets that had anything to do with the phrase learn to code. This is a true story. They have tweets that call people any number of horrible names, child molesters white supremacists uh, calling Jewish people termites. I believe Louis Farrakhan's tweet is still present on Twitter. So you can say virtually anything you want about white people or Jews or conservatives. You can threaten people's life. You can uh, tweet at MAGA kids that were wearing those hats that you want them to die, that you want their parents to die, that you want their school to have a school shooting occur. All of these things happen. None of these things were banned from Twitter. And yet... Because you tell somebody mockingly to learn to code on Twitter, that is considered harassment. And thus, Twitter has stepped down in all of its glory and power to stop this terrible, terrible instance of mocking. I mean, it's one of those things where if you, if 10 years ago, you told people that this is where society had reached, they, number one, would not have believed you. And they, number two, would have asked, well, so when is the apocalypse due? Because this is like, I mean, when you've got this level of ineptitude, of of uh, of hatred, of of zero self-awareness, I, I do wonder. I've wondered this before. I mean, are we at the juncture? Are people so blind, are so corrupt as far as the, I mean, and not only that, just the controlling of free speech, the censorship coming from these technology companies. Every single time I see a story like this, it makes it even more prominent, that we need to have other alternatives, that these companies cannot have the say over what is and what is not discussed within our cultural lexicon. I mean, because if you can say, people, you can't make fun of journalists anymore, or at least you can't make fun of journalists on the left anymore, otherwise we're going to censor what you have to say, then you are de facto eliminating free speech and dialogue. You are you are completely eliminating any truth in the narrative because you are clearly Funding, focusing, uh, promoting, reflecting, and retweeting one side while clearly stomping on every possible uh, avenue that the other side is is putting forth. And we're seeing with deplatforming of people on the right already, we're seeing with Alex Jones, we're seeing with all number of people that are being booted off of Twitter for saying things that are not even considered hate speech, but are being reported and immediately without even consideration for context like with Sargon of Akkad, you know, his his instance of saying uh, the n-word on a podcast in reference, not even using it, in referencing it as something that was was said, they immediately ban these people. Meanwhile, the left is free to do whatever it pleases to to verbally assault, to threaten to uh, use any epithet they want, and they are completely unhindered. And when it is reported they do a tap dance around to excuse why, it in fact, is is still allowed and how that doesn't violate our terms of of use. But clearly, you know, this other side did. I mean, it is just absolutely mad. And I will say this, too. From my own standpoint, doing public relations for a living, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody that got laid off wasn't a, a complete asshole. I'm sure some of these people were simply... Casualties of the business model, which is now failing because of changing algorithms at Google and Facebook, which have made getting this content views even more difficult. Also, there's a whole I mean, I'm going a little deep down the well here in my industry, but there's also a whole debate as of right now as to whether or not any of these web metrics, video metrics, article view metrics are even viable and reliable when you're reporting something. The CEO or former CEO of Reddit just stepped out and said all web analytics are complete horseshit. We don't really know how to track them well, which I agree with having done uh, Facebook advertising or you know, the social media advertising, Google advertising, where it will show you a certain number of interaction and click throughs and all this other shit, but you don't really see a lot out of it. And you start to question, how is this even a thing? You know, we had like, I'll tell you an instance, Google ads one time ran Google ads uh, for months and months. And it would show us all these clicks and all these views and all this interaction. Yet the website which was linked to the advertisement. Didn't show any more clicks. Didn't show any more views. You know, maybe it would get 10 or 20, but it's only like 300 clicks. Anyway, a lot of suspicion there. So these people created a business model, which is unsustainable. They hired on all these staff to just completely deluge the populace. You know, skeet, 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 motherfucker in the populace. And uh, with all this content, thinking that more content means more clicks automatically, which of course is not the case. Especially when you're putting out complete trash like Huffington Post and like BuzzFeed do so often. And one of the reasons I take a little bit of, of joy in this as well is in all my years doing public relations outreach, two of the outlets, which I've never had any luck with, no matter how good the story, no matter how important the topic, no matter how relevant the topic, no matter how clever or interesting the topic, could not get those people to do jack shit ever. I mean, you talk about people creating the stupidest content who just had their heads so far up their fucking asses as to how overly important what they were doing was. And it's like, you make fucking lists. You make lists of shit. What are you talking about? And then, of course, in the Huffington Post, they're busy saying, oh, well, we need to have this, you know, this transgendered, one-legged Eskimo has to have a say in this company. This person needs an opinion piece published. Meanwhile, God forbid I get anything published about foster care or about the Holocaust victims that nobody knows about. You know that shit not important, but you know it's this uh, this left wing horseshit garbage obviously must be on the front page. And if the more we can talk about tampons and how tampons are a modern day feminist worst nightmare, and people should just accept that period blood will be on restaurant chairs, God damn it, the better society will be. <laughs> so anyway, um uh, con Conderos, I can't remember how exactly you say that. I don't speak Spanish, Baxter. But uh, goodbye and good luck, journalists. Maybe you'll find better venues to uh, to push that content out with some advertising agencies creating content for people to slurp up on social media platforms. Otherwise, learn to fucking code, motherfuckers. And on that note, guess who else needs to learn to code? Yes, our old buddy Maduro. <laughs> Somebody please tell Maduro over in Venezuela, the, the, uh, the dictator who in theory, won a second presidential term. Please tell that guy he better get decoded, man, because things are not looking good for him and his regime, especially considering that in the past week, since we last talked, and, uh, and yes, I got a little shit because I, uh, I was saying how ridiculous it is that the U.S. is covering the culture war as far as our media and this whole MAGA hat thing over Venezuela's civil war, and that I didn't really go into the civil war that deeply. And that was from one of our Patreons, our private pride group, uh, Bobby Wilson. I'll give him a shout out, even though he's ripping me for <laughs> my commentary. But look, there wasn't that much going on to talk about yet, other than there's, you know, there was that military coup I talked about, or attempted military coup. But we've had a lot more development since then, and things are not looking good for Maduro. I mean, basically, we're looking at a situation where. You've got the the states, as I talked about, that are in the region, including Puerto Rico, by the way, which would be a nightmare as far as getting U.S. involved. But you've got the other states in the region turning against him. You've got clear indication from a large portion of the country that they do not support his regime. And we have a massive question mark as far as his military support. As of right now, I'm hearing that a lot of the military, just from one of these different articles, that a lot of the military is still on his side. However... We don't know. I mean, this military coup came from the national guard faction within the military. I'm sure there are people that are still upset within, you know, where they've got to have family members that are hurt by what he's done to Venezuela, the failed socialism of Venezuela, which of course the left still won't relinquish their, their grasp on Maduro. They can't flat out say socialism has failed democratic socialism plays out exactly as we'd expect where somebody takes a dictatorship position once they have the control of all the means. And you know, with that in mind, if you're a military person, if your family doesn't have water, if they don't have toilet paper, if they don't have food, you probably are questioning the leadership of your dictator, despite the fact that the military has been the one faction that's actually been taken care of fairly well, because Maduro realizes that if he loses the military, he loses everything. But on top of that now, you know, we've got the U.S. completely saying we back Juan Guillado. I'm probably saying that wrong. Yeah, Guiado. I don't know how else you'd say it. So they're saying we completely back Guiato. And with that in mind, the U.S. has now said all of the Venezuelan assets that are in U.S. banks, we consider to be under the jurisdiction of Juan Guiato. Now, think about that, because that's a pretty powerful thing to do. Now, I don't know how much assets the Venezuela has here. Uh, I mean, and God knows, you know, if they if they put that that money in in uh, their their Bitcoin, I doubt any U.S. banks would take their Bitcoin. But I, I do wonder how much it was worth if they put it in. You know, when when did they put that money in? How much was the uh, the local currency worth when they put it in? It may end up being seven dollars U.S. in these banks. But let's say if it actually is a decent amount of money that was put in during the oil boom days of Venezuela before they destroyed the infrastructure of their oil industry by nationalizing it. There could be quite a substantial amount in there. And as Maduro finds himself in this position where the currency is still inflated beyond usable control, he's got his Bitcoin, which he forced all the citizenry into using, which is basically worthless because no, these countries won't acknowledge it. They won't trade with him using it. And you've got him in a position where the one thing he has been able to do is take care of his military. If he's now put in a position where he can't draw upon these foreign reserves in US banks to pay the military off this thing could be over very quickly. And ideally that's how it would work out. Even though I oppose the U S completing, you know, backing this foreign leader who, even though they say, Oh, well the election was a sham. We don't have any way to prove that. And you talk about election meddling. (laughs) Good God. We're trying to, they're still trying to, I can't say we are, they're still trying to go after Roger Stone, who I'm going to talk about after the break, but they're trying to put Roger Stone in jail for attempting to help trump collude on this made-up bs charges (laughs) in the meantime and, and crying about russia impacting our elections with you know facebook ads and and hillary clinton puppy memes or some some stupid shit in the meantime we are literally trying to put a different leader in as in venezuela despite the fact that For all intents and purposes, from anything we can tell and know for a fact, the man was elected again to a second consecutive term in his home country. And we are now trying to put in a new leader, despite the fact that he lost an election. I mean, don't get no more election meddlesome than this. And we've now cut off access to funding for an elected leader of another country. (laughs) It's just crazy. But that being said, I can't support the U.S. cutting off the funding. However, it's better than sending troops over there. And Trump has already been on record despite the fact that he ran on a platform of rejecting regime change. He has said multiple times that he would not be opposed to putting boots on the ground in Venezuela. And we also saw this bizarre story where John Bolton held up his notepad and it had 5,000 troops to Colombia written on it. And they said this was the way they explained it was that, oh, well, it's not for sure, but it would be a preemptive move where the U.S. would put 5,000 troops in Colombia just in case war broke out in Venezuela. Okay, just in case war broke out with who in Venezuela? Because we're not over there. The war is not breaking out with us in Venezuela. So are we now saying that Juan Guiado... A man who has, you know, has no power, has not ruled. In theory, you could say maybe he won an election, but a man we don't even know what his intentions are other than he's not Maduro. We're not going to go to fucking war in Venezuela to help support this man because historically that's not worked out well for us. Historically, we put the U.S. troops there to help people go to war and, you know, win their country back and put a man in power. Typically, that's coming right around to bite us in the fucking ass. Time and time and time again, we support a leader who then turns out not to be what we expected. And we don't know if, if Juan Guadillo is going to be any better than Maduro when he gets in there. He's got a Supreme Court that's stacked against him. They were all Maduro fanatics. And they're also, by the way, the Supreme Court is barred Juan Guaido from leaving the country. So now he's trapped there and they're also trying to stick... "Quote unquote crimes," <laughs> just invented crimes, kind of like the old socialists, just invented crimes in which to pull him in. You know, the old Stalin uh, era days of "Ah, oh, you're, you're a you you know your crime is uh, that you cause dissent in the in the wonderful paradise that is Venezuela." So thus we must pill you to court and sentence you to death, and that's basically what's gonna what they're trying to do here. So they're trying to get him in the jail. They're trying to take him out of running, put him in a cell, lock him away, where he will definitely be met with death somehow, some way. In the meantime, <laughs> the U.S. has basically said, if any harm comes to him, then there will be repercussions. I.e., if they arrest Guiato, let's lay out the situations here, let's lay out the scenarios. If they arrest Guiato, the U.S. is probably going to march in there and, and start a war. If they don't arrest Guiato, but there turns out to be a civil war, the United States is going to go march in there and help fight the civil war, just like in Syria, which, of course, worked out just great. Option three, I guess, would be, I don't even know. I mean, Maduro stays in power, but I don't see at this point, it's literally impossible. The U.S. has made it, the U.S. has basically decided already who is going to be the next leader of, of Venezuela, or actually, they should say, they decided who will not be the leader of Venezuela, and that is Maduro. By saying that they support Guiado, we have made it a definitive statement, a line in the sand saying that either this man is put into power, whoops, or the United States will use his considerable military might to go in there and fuck up yet another country. Now, I guess the good news is Venezuela is so fucked already that it might be a very quick war, because I got to think a lot of the populace is just going to rise up and just like with the first war in Iraq, another ab- abortion of, a, of an idea. But so many of the population, especially the military, if we get in there, are probably just going to say, "Well, what the hell do I care? I'm not, you know, I'm not seeing a mass benefit out of this." Should Guiato come into into power with the U S. backing, is probably the most likely scenario. So I'm just going to lay down my guns, surrender right now, switch to the other side, and carry on, and then just see what happens. So maybe quick, I just don't know. Either way, shit's going to hit the fan there very soon. I would bet at least. I would say the odds are. <laughs> minus 3,000 that the United States takes military action in there. And if you don't know what that means, if you're not a gambler, if you don't listen to our gambling show for our pride members, that essentially just means to win a hundred bucks, you would have to bet $3,000 because that's how confident I am that they would go in there. So you have to bet thir- you know, literally $3,000 to win $100 on America taking military action. It's, uh, it's At this point, it's a done deal between Bolton between Pompeo, and also, as a little icing on the cake, the last guy who was involved in creating a, a regime change in Venezuela at the behest of the U.S. was back in 2002, a man named Elliot Abrams. Yeah, Mike Pompeo has just named him as the man that's going to head up this new involvement with Venezuela. So I wonder what his free distribution is going to be. I mean, I bet it's something along the lines of regime change and maybe going in there and fucking some people up. And Elliot Abrams, by the way, is arguably a war criminal for what he did in Venezuela back in 2002. So all the suns, all the moons are aligning. Mars and Jupiter are in uh, retrograde, whatever the fuck you want to call it, to assure that the United States is going there and getting to yet another quagmire. And, uh, and, you know, the timing is kind of funny in that... They just announced that we're going to be getting out of the longest American war. We're finally looking like we're going to pull out of Afghanistan. The, U- <coughs> pardon me. the U.S. and the Taliban are talking. Presumably, they put in people from Pittsburgh to go in there and wave the terrible towels around so there's something in common with the Taliban. I don't know. But they finally come to a, a, an agreement that by 2020, the United States is going to be pulling our troops out of there. And that news is just beyond exciting. But of course... <laughs> At the same time, it's like, you know, it's like a, a drug addict. You know, it's like, all right, well, I'm addicted to coke. So I'm going to get off of this coke. But instead, I got to even myself out. So I'm just going to start really shooting heroin to, to take the edge off. That's like the United States fucking military. We get out of one place. We decide to lay off the cocaine of Afghanistan or the heroin, I guess, is more appropriate with the Afghanistan poppy fields and go to Venezuela where the cocaine is abundant. And of course, we're going to put our troops in, in Colombia there. So we'll get off the heroin, we'll start up the coke. Either way, it's a zero-sum game, and nothing fucking changes. All right, let's take a break. I'll be right back. We'll talk some Roger Stone and some more uh, later topics, including some dwarf tossing. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. Train to win. Visit conversationmat and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of the show. All right, all right. We are back with Electric Liberty Land number 109. And uh, you know, I want to talk just I don't want to go too deep on the Roger Stone stuff. You know, I thought the Venezuela stuff was much more interesting this week because Roger Stone was arrested. And, and by the way, Roger Stone has been on this very program, I think, two different times. And I'll find those uh, I'll find those interviews. Mark talked to him a couple times, I believe. Or maybe Mark wants a note he wants. I can't remember. But uh, I'll link to those in the show notes. Again, you can find that at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL109. But Roger Stone, you know, he's, he prides himself on being kind of a back alley political conduit. That's what he's been known as, you know, a dirty trickster, as they say. And everybody talks about the fact that he's got Nixon tattooed on him, old tricky dick. And when he got arrested, he even gave the, the right? Actually he actually a press conference and he gave the Nixon. <laughs> I am not a crook uh, fingers, which is pretty funny. And actually I'll say this Roger Stone as a whole does crack me up. I, uh, I like Roger Stone because I guess I like people that are unabashedly just they are what they are, and Roger Stone just owns that. Unlike you know, unlike the rest of these political scum, you know, these fucking clowns like Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, and all these other scumbags, you know, that parade around as though they're saintly, as though they can do no wrong. They have only the you know the goodness in their heart that they would never do anything bad, and all these people in politics that ah, oh, they're just there for the citizens. I'm here for the good citizens of Iowa. When really they're all fucking and sucking and taking bribes and doing back alley deals. They're all on the same team. Roger Stone at least owns it. And he does so in a dapper fashion. It just, just cracks me up. So the crazy thing, of course, and, and you know, the other thing I don't want to spend said too much time on this I'm sure other people have covered it already by the time I get around to it. But the way in which Roger Stone was arrested was absolutely absurd. You've got a situation where the guy's like 65, right? He's nonviolent. He lives next to Chad Cinco, former wide receiver, receiver, former wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. And Chad Cinco, he's the one that was like, holy shit, they just came busting in on Roger Stone's door like something out of cops, like something out of a movie. Meanwhile, Chad Cinco. That's the guy that, you know, if you're going to say, all right, which of these two might have a violent reaction? Probably Chad Ochocinco, who I think fought like seven people during his NFL career, like on the field. (laughs) Not Roger Stone, uh, who is a nonviolent man, as far as I know, and uh, is an elderly gentleman in his like sweatpants when this ridiculous raid went down. Which, of course, involved something like 20 police officers all in bulletproof vests, you know, the whole tack gear moving in there with helmets on. Guns drawn, you know, rifles out, kicking his door. And and of all the most ridiculous things, of course, it's all on video because just out of coincidence, CNN was there. And just out of coincidence, the guy reporting on the scene happened to be a former FBI agent. And naturally, when people press them on this and say, well, how did you know that Roger Stone was going to be arrested at his house that night? How did you know he was home? How did you know that? The FBI was going to be coming there and arresting him and making a big spectacle of this, doing the whole perp walk thing. A whole kangaroo court, you know, soup to nuts, dog and pony show. And CNN, in their typical, complete douchebag fashion, says, um, it's called journalism. And then they're saying, it's called instinct. This is a literal quote. It's instinct. The whole Russia team thought maybe something was happening. That was what uh, the reporter, David Shortell, who was there, stated. He said that they started started staking out Stone's house after they noticed unusual grand jury activity in Washington, D.C. on Thursday. So they flew to Florida, whole crew flew to Florida just to hang out outside of his house. Because clearly only CNN is watching any different news or activity in the grand jury in Washington, D.C. It's not like, Every other news bureau has reporters there that are anxiously awaiting any news to go after Trump and are anxiously awaiting to see any other indictments from the Mueller affair, which has dominated left thinking and all of the media coverage for the past two fucking years. But no, CNN's instincts, not not CNN's uh, numerous hires from the deep state. Recently, including Comey, including uh, it was a clapper that's now, uh, you know, working for them, including the current reporter that's out there that's running their justice and whatever desk. Nothing to do with that, guys. Just pure old instinct. Kind of like Charles Bronson, how he caught those bullets in his mouth and not Death Wish. One of those movies. Just amazing. I mean, you got to marvel at the CNN reporters. It's like, you know, I swear to God, at the end of Avengers, Infinity War, when people are turned into dust, not the CNN guys, because they knew the dust was coming. They saw a grand jury report in D.C. They decided no dust for us, everybody. Coat yourselves in Windex. It'll protect you from any dust. That's why you found every CNN reporter at the end of that movie, they, they, it was a cut scene on the floor, CNN reporters snorkeling in a pool of Windex. Pretty goddamn impressive work, CNN. So anyway, just a huge swath of complete bullshit. So anyway, after they go in and bust this guy, they get it on tape. And, and, and by the way, the other thing about this narrative that they're saying makes no sense is they were right in on the raid. There's no FBI team in the world that would allow CNN's cameras to be right up in there as they're making a raid on somebody who's about to be indicted for a federal crime. Number one, isn't that an invasion of privacy on a man who's considered innocent until proven guilty? Yes. Number two, this is not cops. There's no bad boys theme playing. It's not airing on Fox at three in the morning. This is the FBI doing a raid on a federal suspect In an ongoing federal investigation that has massive implications as to whether or not the president could be impeached as the leader of the country. Now, there's nothing tying anything with Roger Stone to the president, by the way. What they're going after him for is more procedural crime horseshit, just like they went after these other people for. Essentially, he was caught lying to the FBI. Nothing he did in advance of that was illegal. So he's caught lying to the FBI, and they say they have evidence of him trying to intimidate this radio talk show host who I guess was trying to help get WikiLeaks to to tip off what information they had about Hillary Clinton. Because that's what this all revolves around. Roger Stone trying to talk to WikiLeaks to find out what they had, which is not illegal, number one. Trying to get information from somebody is not illegal. Otherwise, wouldn't Hillary Clinton be in jail? Did they hire a British foreign firm to find and dig up Trump's dirt? Which of course was just made up and all total anyway. So all of this is created hoopla. All of it's coming from procedural bullshit, but that's what we're getting Roger Stone for. And CNN just happens to be there. Absolutely absurd, but I am looking forward to seeing the absolute circus that will be Roger Stone. I hope he dresses as the Joker the entire time that he's on stage. But he's vowed to fight it, and I want that to be televised. And if I was Roger Stone, I would fight for it to be televised. I would want to OJ Simpson that trial up, man. It would just be fantastic. And just to add extra insult to injury, I would want to hire Julian Assange as my lawyer, live for the Ecuador, uh, <laughs> the Ecuadorian embassy. He could do all sorts of funny things. You know, he could pull out the glove. He can pull out uh, Hillary Clinton's, you know, nudie pics that he got off the Democratic server. He could pull out John Podesta's Pizzagate photos. It would be fantastic. Just make it into a thing, man. Make it into the next grand trial that the United States gets on there. Because I want to... I, you know, court TV is gone by the wayside. Now it's true TV. And the spectacle... And the circumstance surrounding all of these trials, uh, this joke of a trial now is appropriate for its new incarnation as Court TV has become True TV and now prides itself on practical joke shows. Put this practical joke show on True TV, man, because I cannot get enough of it. Hmm. All right. Now that that's been said, I think we've come to the part of the show where we have to talk about dwarf tossing, right? Let's get it a little bit of, let's get a little, a funnier part of the show, a little lighter comedy, although with some serious undertones here, because in Kenosha, Washington, a bill has been proposed by one of these idiot local senators, which has been basically, and I don't know how big of a problem this is in in Washington state, but basically would ban dwarf tossing in bars, Uh, specifically in bars, mind you, by the language of the bill. So I guess if you wanted to toss a dwarf in your backyard, you want to toss a dwarf in the privacy of your own home, You know, see how big your wife's vagina is, see how many dwarves you can fit in there. I don't know what you like in your own bedroom and I don't care. But this bill specifically seeks to ban dwarf tossing in bars. Now, on its face, like I said, I, I why is this a need? How many bars are doing it? Now, on the other side of this bill, though, this guy wants to ban it because he considers it, what, some great injustice against these little people to have this dwarf tossing. But clearly... The little people are actively taking a role in it. They're actively volunteering. It's not like somebody's waiting in an alley with uh, you know, with a, a little cage full of lollipops in case one of the lollipop kids walks by and it does snap. No golden brick road for you, man. Dwarf tossing in the uh the harbor lounge. That's your future now. So clearly the dwarves are volunteering for this thing, and clearly. It's advanced to the point where they're not being thrown onto a pile of broken glass. You know, we're not taking the barrels that uh, that Van Dam dipped his hands into covered in glass from freaking Kickboxer. No, I'm sure they're being tossed onto a very comfortable padding, and I'm sure that they have padding, you know, helmets on and shoulder pads and everything else to make sure they don't get hurt. Otherwise, you would not have dwarf tossing because dwarves are not going to volunteer to go be tossed if they think that their safety is in danger in any way. The other side of that is that maybe even if it is dangerous, right? Let's say that the people in the bar just don't care about dwarf lives, right? Hashtag dwarf lives matter. So they don't like that hashtag. In fact, they do want the glass on the floor, glass and nails and whatever else, right? Let's say in, in, in this sick Mad Max world that we live in, that that is what these people in Washington, because you know, Washington state is known for being incredibly, incredibly unprogressive and and cruel and not, not the opposite. So they toss these dwarves onto these nails and spikes. What do you think then the dwarves are getting paid if they're willing to put up with this damage to their bodies, this risk to their bodies? Similar to NFL players. You know the risks you're still willing to deal with the risk why because the payment for that risk is clearly above and beyond and it's thus worth it so this bill just drives me up the fucking wall because number 1 if it is a big problem that means that it's very popular if it's very popular that means that little people who may or may not be able to get a job in the industry of their choosing may or may uh, not be able to you know to to get the job uh, that they've always dreamed of instead might be able to get either a side gig or a full-time gig being tossed as a dwarf because a bar is pulling in seven grand a night and the dwarf gets half of that, then maybe that dwarf says, well, this is my gig, man. I don't have to work anymore. I work one day of the week and that one day of the week, I get tossed a few feet in a bar about 20 times and then that's it. I go home. Now, while it may not be an ideal life for some people, If they're choosing to take part in this life, if it's a thriving, dwarf-tossing economy, who the fuck is this asshole to say that they can't do it voluntarily with their own bodies? You know, it's just like anything you do with your body. If you were to sell your hand to somebody to eat it, you should be able to sell that hand. If you want to fuck somebody, go fuck them, get the money. I don't give a shit. As long as you're not hurting me, as long as you're not doing anything to harm me or anybody I care about, as long as you're not forcing your will on somebody, you should be able to do whatever you want to do. And because this old stick in the mud can't see the fun and tossing some dwarves who are actively uh, eager to be tossed for the revenue that it generates. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe there's not even revenue involved. Maybe these dwarves get tossed and they're like the hero. They're like the, I don't know, maybe they just get laid a lot. Either way, it's none of the government's business. Stay the fuck out of it. Should make senator tossing. How about that? How about that, Bill Senator? (laughs) We'll ban dwarf tossing, but instead we get to throw you. That's, that's the trade-off. And in fact, I would, say, I would say the dwarves get to throw you. We'll create a swing, maybe some sort of pulley system, like a, like a catapult. It'll be fantastic. All right, one more thing just to wrap this all up. Oh, actually, two more things. This is going to be very brief, but Kamala Harris, of course, is out there trying to run. She is a, a despicable human being, by the way. Kamala Harris, of course, was a super cop. She, uh, very much in favor of keeping criminal justice reform at bay. She has made several speeches saying that people that want criminal justice reform are idealists and, uh, and are unrealistic. Thus doesn't seem too eager to address that issue. Additionally, she was a big fan of cracking down on mothers that were poor, that were homeless, that had uh, tough circumstances because their children were not going to school enough. So The mother would be homeless, or the mother would be out working. The mother would be just desperately trying to make ends meet, feed her, feed her children, keep a roof over their heads if they had one. The kids weren't getting to school regularly. So Kamala Harris decided, well, the best thing to do here is threaten them with arrest and intimidation. You know, use the state's cudgel to make sure that these children go to school. Meanwhile, who knows if the kids are even going to be able to stay with their parents? Because if you arrest a single mother that's just trying to get her kids to, to eat, let alone go to school—you know—survival tends to be more important than your fucking state-run schools, by the way. But you know, hey, you arrest that person, then what happens? Oh, well, now the kids go into foster care. Now the kids become wards of the state, thus burdens on the state, thus burdens to the taxpayers, and for what? Just to keep the make you know, make sure that these kids show up to school every day. I mean, give me a break. So she's a huge fan of that. But that's not the point of this little diatribe. I've gone on. The point of the diatribe is that Kamala Harris is, of course, seen as this big, you know, big, strong woman warrior. You know, we always, t- of course, all the tweets about the Me Too movement, and she took said, Oh, yes, she's a huge supporter of women's rights. Yes, an Amazon warrior woman fighting for the rights of all ladies out there. Meanwhile, what we find out just very recently. Because he wrote an article about it, which is hilarious. Gives me the giggles. But anyway, former California Assemblyman and first black mayor of San Francisco, Slick Willie Brown, wrote a piece for the San Francisco Gate talking about how he did, in fact, date Kamala Harris back when she was nothing and back when he was quite a bit of something. At the time, Big Dick Willie was a Assembly Speaker. And he appointed Kamala Harris to two different state commissions. He says in no uh, confusing language whatsoever that he, without a doubt, influenced her career and that she was, in fact, the side piece because he was married and she was the piece on the side. He also helped her with her first race for district attorney in San Francisco, which, of course, she won. Not only that, but... She told him, and this is funny, because it's like, it's literally, it's is like an email the guy wrote. It wasn't like an article, like an opinion piece in the San Francisco gate. He just, this is like just his sounding off. It's literally a piece that's like, I don't know. It's like 200 words long. It's not even an article. He says the difference. Oh, he also said he helps, he helped Nancy Pelosi. He helped Gavin Newsom, Diane Feinstein, a lot of notable other pieces of complete shit. But he helped a lot of these other politicians. He says the difference is that Harris is the only one who, quote, after I helped her, sent word that I would be indicted if I so much as jaywalked while she was DA. (laughs) So I guess whatever Fast Willie did, I guess when he dumped her, it didn't go too well. Whatever. Maybe she just didn't want him talking like he is right now. But this lady, Kamala Harris, who is so celebrated, turns out, Had a little bit of help breaking the glass ceiling. And the hammer that shattered that ceiling was Willie Brown's big fat dick. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I don't even really have anything against that other than the, well, I have it against it because it's government and nepotism. But just like with the whole Me Too movement, just like with all these women who got ahead by virtue of doing a voluntary act with somebody, they're not talking about it. Doesn't excuse the involuntary acts, of course, but Look, Kamala Harris, attractive lady. I'm sure she was much more attractive 20 years ago when she was banging Willie Brown. Decided to use her feminine wiles in order to get ahead. He obliged as a man in power, and she took full advantage. Happens all the time. So, disappointing it's in government. Very funny that it's Kamala Harris. Even funnier that it's come out now. (laughs) But not as funny as what we're going to end our show with today, guys. So instead of playing us out on the ELL theme, I'm going to play us out on, uh, on one of Bernie Sanders' greatest hits, found footage from 1988 when Bernie Sanders was visiting with some Soviets in Russia and uh, singing some songs. And he just happens to be either shirtless or completely naked in a, in a Russian sauna and uh, definitely drunk. Listen for the signature Bernie laugh when you get to the end of the show. (laughs) You will not want to miss it. So anyway, just to wrap the show up, guys, thanks for listening today. A lot of cursing today. Maybe more cursing than I would have liked, but whatever. What you going to do? Uh, remember guys, listen to Mark clear on Mondays with his in-depth interviews with leaders of the Liberty movement. He just had Scott Horton on talking about the Ukraine, Russia, also getting into Trump stuff. That was fascinating as always with Scott. Make sure you check that out. Of course, I'm here every Wednesday with electric Liberty land and John Odie Odermat is kicking it with felony Fridays every Friday, looking at the, uh, incorrectly and ironically named criminal justice system and all of the injustices that lie within it. And another reminder that if you join our pride, if you become a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty, you can tune into our live, ask me anything libertarians in living rooms, drinking liquor show that is only for our Patreon. All right, that's it. I uh, I might have a guest next week, by the way. I think I might try to get somebody in here uh, who was in venezuela embedded in there that uh, my buddy fergus hodgson who was on the show put me in touch with but we'll see if i can get that scheduled in and we'll see what happens man Because things are lacking over there all right guys peace out from me brian mcwilliams from the lions of liberty from electric liberty land always stay plugged into liberty today the distinctive oh feature of our economy is competition